Welcome back to another beautiful Thursday afternoon. I hope your guys' work week is going strong. We're almost to the weekend. Just one more day, okay? And then we can party and we can go shopping and we can do whatever the hell we want, all right? If you don't know where you are, you are at the Rainy Day Horror Show with the best horror podcast host in the universe, Dusty McBalls, a.k.a. the Certified Cougar Hunter, a.k.a. the man with the biggest set of fucking testes that just drag across the road, right? And on today's episode, we are doing a horror movie review breakdown, whatever you want to call it, on Insidious The Red Door. Now, this movie's good, but I'm going to save my comments for the end. I love this movie, okay? Even though, you know, it wasn't too, it wasn't, the ratings weren't good, but I thought it was awesome. If you loved the Insidious universe or timeline or whatever, this is a good one. Trust me, this is a really, really good one. Um, the breakdown for this video is I'm going to give you the synopsis first or the synop, like usual, and then I'm going to summarize the movie for you. And then we're going to go to our trusty and most beautiful, wonderful friend, Rotten Tomatoes, for, you know, the reviews, the rating, you know. And I'm going to tell you guys who directed it, who starred in it, and then I will give you what I thought on on it at the end. Just a heads up, it's awesome. It's a great fucking movie, okay? But let's get to the scene up first. So... Without further ado, Insidious, The Red Door. So, the little scene up for this fucking film is that the horror franchise's original cast returns for the final chapter of the Lambert family's terrifying saga to put their demons to rest once and for all. Josh and college-aged Dalton must go deeper into the further than ever before, facing their family's dark past and a host of new and more terrifying horrors that lurk behind the red door. Ooh, spooky. Insert spooky noises. Ooh. Okay, so for the summary of this film, there is spoilers. Just a heads up, so if that's not your thing and you want to save... You know, you want to save this review till after you see the movie. Go right ahead. No hard feelings, but I'm going to jump right into it, okay? So, the film opens with the ending of the second film where Josh and Dalton are getting their memories of the further erased. And after they get it erased and they get all of that whole spiel done, it, they said basically um, this entire year Dalton was in a coma. That's all I remember. So, Memories of what they went through after the second film, gone. Now, it jumps into a decade later, where Josh and Renee are now divorced, but she brings Dalton, Foster, and Callie to the funeral for Josh's mother, Lorraine. She just died. Obviously, it's a funeral for her. Now, Renee tells Josh that he should drive Dalton to college the following week. Even though the relationship has become extremely rocky after their divorce and after everything that they went through, 
And throughout this film, Josh is like in this whole like foggy state. And it's because of his memories being erased. Now, as they're leaving, they say goodbye and everything. Josh is going back to his car and then he notices a man nearby walking towards his mom's grave. And as he's leaving, Josh approaches him and they meet and you find out it's Carl from, you know, the second and first film where he introduces himself and Josh is like, I, I feel like I know you. And he's like, I knew your mother or stuff like that. No. And once he tells her, tell, not her, shit, tells him that he used to know Lorraine, Josh goes to his car, sits down, and as he's sitting there for a little bit, he is contemplating on whether or not to text Dalton to see if he is cool with the idea of Josh driving him to college. And as you see it, you kind of see something in the background behind, like, through Josh's window. And it's a blurry figure, and it's, like, walking towards his car. And after Dalton texts Josh back, Dalton says yes. He puts his phone away, and then the figure seems to disappear. And then the scene cuts, and it cuts to Josh driving Dalton to his liberal arts school where he meets his roommate, Chris Winslow. And Dalton is majoring in, like, painting and art, like, that kind of form. He's an artistic little guy, and so we want, he's going to an art school to perfect his craft of painting. And once he gets to his dorm, he ends up meeting his roommate, and it's Chris, like I said, like, ten seconds ago. And he feels that there was a mix-up due to him believing that her name like she would be a male because of her name and she then leaves the scene and she's like okay I'll go talk to the dean or whatever and get this all sorted out so that's what she does so then she leaves the scene and then Dalton and Josh start you know decorating his room and Dalton puts up his drawings of his you know his siblings and his mother but he doesn't hang up a photo of his dad Josh and Dalton then expresses his resentment towards Josh while, you know, there's this whole argument scene going on and Josh calls Dalton an ungrateful little shit. And after that, Josh storms out and they're both really upset, but, you know, they kind of, they're a little teary-eyed about one another, you know what I mean? They're just a little bit sad. So, the scene cuts and it cuts to Dalton being in his art class for the first time with Professor Armagon, who proves to be, I mean, she's a little bit of a harsh and like really critical, but she, she likes Dalton. She likes what Dalton does. And it's specifically because of this scene. She tells one of her students to tear up his drawings for seeming too simplistic. And the student refuses and she kicks him out of class. And after, you know, that kid gets kicked out, Dalton looks at his pic his picture and it's of his grandma Lorraine who just passed away and he just starts ripping it up. And so the professor comes over and she's like, why'd you rip that up? That's, that's beautiful. I don't know why you would do that. But it was like a whole, you got to tear down what's in front of you and dig deeper. And she admired that about his initiative about doing that. 
So she then instructs the class to dig deep into their memories for their next drawing. And this triggers one of Dalton's memories of the further. And he uses like this charcoal to draw a door. And before he kind of like finishes the drawing, a demon hand kind of wraps around the painting, grabs his hand and just pushes it really, really hard into the painting. And he cuts himself and it causes him to bleed on the door. And at the same moment that this happens, this also awakens Josh from a dream or from sleep. And then the scene cuts again and it cuts to them in their like in their dorm room with Dalton and Chris. And they're trying to get, you know, be a little bit more comfortable by getting to know one each other. And they're sharing like, you know, the most their most embarrassing moments or just memories that they had. And Dalton specifically says that he has no memory from 10 years ago, that entire year he does not remember. And that's when he also says that ever since then he's been like deathly afraid of the dark. And now he still sleeps with this really, really bright nightlight. And then the scene cuts again. And you see Josh, he's going to a doctor for an MRI. And while he's in there, the doctor's like, hey, if you... You know, the typical shit. If you get claustrophobic, click the button and I'll shoot you out. And he goes in there and he appears to lose consciousness and the lights go out. And Josh starts calling for help until he sees what appears to be like a demon in a hospital gown crawling on the bed. Like the little, the hard surface bed that you lay on, that you lay on when you get a MRI. And it's like rapidly crawling toward him. So he freaks out and then... He like starts getting pulled out of the machine and the lights go back on and everything. And the doctor comes out and says that he was asleep for 15 minutes, but the scan went well. And then now the scene cuts again. And Dalton is going out with Chris to a frat party. And they sneak into one of the rooms of the frat boys. His name, is, it's, it's a good name. It's called Nick the Dick. And as they're in there, they're kind of just like playing. They want to play a prank on whoever. They just want to fuck around and like ruin these frat boys, you know, because fuck frat boys. And so Chris leaves the room and she's going to go. I think it was butt cheek ointment, like anal cream. And she wants to go like spread it around on like the toilet seats and stuff like that. And while she left, Dalton is in there just kind of hanging out minding his own business looking through the stuff and he encounters a spirit of a young frat pledge that died during a hazing incident and he's in the bathroom this pledge was in the bathroom vomiting in Nick's toilet and as Dalton walks in there to check make sure if he's okay Dalton he yells at Dalton to close the door and he shuts the door, and next thing you know, you hear Nick the Dick come. Yeah, big old Nick the Dick. And as he's coming in, Dalton decides to hide under the bed. And he, well, the only reason Nick came in there was for a condom, which is, I don't know how anybody could fuck this man because he was literally in like a diaper. I'm not even joking. He was in a diaper. But anyways, Nick or er, Dalton is under the bed and he's hiding, and. 
Nick leaves, but Dalton accidentally falls asleep and slips into the further. And as he's in the further, he fucking sees the pledge and he's still throwing up and everything. And he starts walking out and stuff like that and walks behind him. And then he Dalton gets scared and he quickly like slide like slides out from under the bed. And as he slides up from under the bed, he shoots back into normal time, like not normal time, but out of the further. And as he's like laying on his back, he looks up and he's like, okay, I'm safe. Next thing you know, Pledge like throws himself on top of him and like throws up all over him. And he's freaking out. And that's when Chris comes in and Chris is like, what's going on? And helps Dalton up. And he's like, I, I don't know, you know, the whole, I don't know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And that's when Nick the Dick comes back into his room and Chris kisses Dalton to make it look like they're, you know, they're going to get down and dirty. You know what I mean? He was going to, you know, fuck that bitch, right? Sorry. But that's what, that's what they wanted to make it seem like. And he, so Chris is black and he makes kind of like, a weird racial, I think it was a racial, a weird racial remark, and Chris then kicks Nick in the balls, and they, f- Dalton and Chris flee the party, and then the scene cuts later into the night, where Dalton is back in his dorm after the party, and he falls asleep, and he accidentally astral projects into the further, and when he's there, he goes into Chris's room and uses her keyboard. And like, kind of like taps on it, does the song that his mom did in the first one. And then she, um, she wakes up, freaks the fuck out. And she goes up to Nick, she goes up to Dalton's room. And when she's up there, that's when Dalton comes out with the whole astral projecting thing and blah, blah, blah. And all the visions he's seen. And then Chris later on digs into the astral projecting phenomenon. And finds a video from Tucker and Specs. Yes. The boys from the first, second, and fourth one. I can't remember if they were in the third one. But yes. That's the only time they're in this movie. I'm sorry to ruin it for you. But yes. Those are the only time that they are in the movie. So, they watch a little bit of a video of them explaining, you know, astral projecting. And then you see on the little sidebar a video that has Elise in it. And Dalton's like, wait, why does she look a little familiar? So, he clicks on the video and watches her explain astral projection. And then the scene cuts again. And this time, Dalton or Josh is back at his home because when he left the doctor's office, he was like, Hey, maybe do some like exercises to help you remember. So this fog goes away, all that stuff. So he's at his house and he's trying to do these exercises of his loved ones, like pictures of his loved ones, like a memory game. And he's like, he's having a tough time doing it. And as he's doing it in the background, you can see like this little fuzzy, photo this little fuzzy guy not guy but like you know outline of a person getting closer and closer to the window and it is the same fuzzy person whatever outline from when they were at the cemetery 
And as soon as the guy gets pretty close to the window, um, Josh isn't paying attention. The fuzzy person outline breaks through the window and there's like this whole scuffle and everything. And then Josh ends up getting knocked out, goes to sleep. And then he wakes up with this box that like has pictures in it. And on the box, it's labeled Ben Burton. And this box contains like pictures of Lorraine and Josh and Lorraine and this guy that's named Ben. And you find out that Ben is Josh's long lost father. And when he finds this out, he starts doing a little, little bit of research. And what he finds out is that his dad also could astral project. And he ended up committing suicide in a psych ward, an insane asylum, because he didn't want to, you know, he wanted to end with him. It specifically said, this ends with me. So he killed himself hoping that he would prevent anybody, other, anyone else in his family from going into the further, which we know is false already by the first two movies. So the scene cuts again, and this is where they hatch an evil plan to go back into the um, that frat house where Nick the Dick is, and they want to talk to the guy, the pledge that was throwing up and telling him to leave the door shut, because there was this. It was a little cryptic, and they found out. So what they did was they go back to Nick's room. Well, not Nick's room. They go back to someone else's room, but Nick's house, and. He tries to communicate. He astral projects, tries communicating with the fucking pledge. And while he's, you know, doing, while he's trying to connect with that pledge, there's a demonic entity that attacks Dalton while he's in the further. And he, that entity also choked out Chris. And, well, not Chris, because, well, Chris, but she wasn't in the further. It was a real world attack. And Nick finds her unconscious, but manages to revive her. After she is taken to the infirmary, um, Chris tells Dalton that she can no longer help him. She's upset, and she doesn't think Dalton should do it either. So, then, they go back. Sad scene. Very, very sad. They're both, you know, well, Dalton's eh. But Chris, she's beautiful. She's a beautiful young woman, and she's just looking out for her safety, okay? Now... Again, the scene cuts, and Josh goes to Renee's house to speak to her about what he learned about his father. And through their conversation, we learn why they got divorced. You know, this is where you find all that out. And when this happened, when he's explaining why, when, you, when you're finding out why they got divorced, it's a flashback, not really a flashback, but a telling of the second movie, where Josh possess, was possessed by one of the demons in the further and chased Renee and the kids around the house with a hammer, which is why Dalton drew the event with Josh looking monstrous. You find that out. That painting that he's drawing is actually of his dad holding the hammer when he was possessed. And Josh says he needs to go back into the further once more to put an end to all of this. And then the scene cuts to when Dalton is back in the further and now he is trapped there but he is reliving the memory of when Josh attacked his family 
And while that he's reliving that memory, one of the demons is, like I said, it possessed Dalton. And his body in the real world is attacking Chris. So, as Chris is being attacked and Dalton's reliving this memory, he witnesses his dad trying to hit him with the hammer from the second movie. And so his dad, so Dalton, like, grabs his dad and they fall into this whole, like, you know, where he was in the first one. Not the dad, but, because it was a memory, but Dalton falls back into the red demon's, you know, lair. And he's trapped there. So what happens is that his dad, when he goes back into the further, he's going, he's looking for, like, the red door and all of that stuff. So, he ends up getting to the red door, and then he ends up saving Dalton. And, and as they're running away, the demon is chasing them, and after all that, and Dalton is able, they're able to slam the door on the demon. And when they slam that door on the demon, Dalton's like, hey dad, we gotta go. And he's like, and Josh is like, no, this ends with me. But Josh also says, but you go. I want you to live like you go. It's one of those, you know, cinematic, beautiful, heroic moments. And so Dalton takes off. And as he takes off, the red demon is trying to break through the door. And he's getting close, he's getting close. But once, once Dalton is in the real world, he grabs black paint and paints over the red door, sealing it shut. And nothing happens. They both go back into their normal bodies in the real world. And the next day, Dal Josh drives to Dalton's college where they meet up. And they're like, wow, this, this was amazing. I'm happy. You know, I'm happy you're good and stuff like that. And they hug. And right before, right before he leaves to go see Dalton, the next morning, right before he leaves his wife's house, he goes to, you know, his car and he's walking around and you know who pops up and starts talking to him? Elise. Yes, Elise. We love Elise. We love Elise. Not for Elise, but we love Elise. Okay. She pops up. They have a quick little conversation and she tells him, you're doing great. You're doing awesome. Like kudos to you. And he, that's when Josh drives back to Dalton's college. And when he gets there, he walks in the room, and that's where you find that Dalton had added a painting of the time Josh carried him out of the further. And then the two share a long-awaited hug. Aww. It was a good movie, okay? And that's the end of the summary. It was... I know it's kind of confusing, but once you watch it, Trust me, you'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, no, that makes that makes sense. Trust me. Now, the budget for this movie was $16 million, which I thought would be, that's a lot less than what I thought it would be. But, I mean, for what they had, what they did was, it was pretty good. And their box office, now this is only in the U.S., so it was $33 million in the U.S., so they made a shit ton of money off of it, so it was good. It's really good. Now, the director, this was his first time ever directing a movie. It was Patrick Wilson. Now, the producers were Jason Blum, 
Orrin Pelly, James Wan, and Lee Wainel. Um, the writer was Scott Teams, and this release date was July 7th, 2023, worldwide. It is around an hour and 50 minutes. The distributor was Screen Gems, and it is rated PG-13. So, there you go. Some of the actors, Patrick Wilson played Josh Lambert. If you don't know who Patrick Wilson is, he's the same guy that plays Ed in the Conjuring series. Ty Simpkins played Dalton. Rose Barn, I think that's how you say it, is Renee. Um, Sinclair Danielle is Chris. Chaim Abbas is The Professor. And Andrew Astor is Foster. And then, you know, you have you have Specs in them in it. You have fucking Carl. And you also have, oh, what was her name? Why did I forget it already? Elise. I don't know why I forgot it, but Elise. But yeah, it was a really good movie. I really liked it. You ready to hear the fucking reviews on this shit? I don't think you're ready. So, on Rotten Tomatoes, this got a 36% bullshit. Should have got way higher than that, I think, personally. But I thought it was really good. Don't, you know, don't listen to it. Don't listen to that 36, okay? Critics are assholes, all right? You want to know what the critics' consensus was? This is what it says, word for word, okay? You ready? Earlier installments have had their moments, but behind Insidious, The Red Door, lies the disappointing denouement of a once-frightening franchise. Fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself, okay? This movie had really good jump scares. I don't know. Yeah, they were just really, really good. I liked them. You don't... I don't know why, but for me, the Insidious movies has... The Insidious movies had always made me jump. I've always been really, really jumpy with the Insidious movies. So, I think they are good. But I am just one person. So, I don't know. Go watch it. What I'm trying to say is go fucking watch it yourself because you will love it. I think you will love it. All right? Now, here comes from a top... Critic, Noelle Murray. There's a strong idea here about how important it is for an artist to confront past traumas instead of blocking them out. I mean, I guess that's not that good of a rating or a good fucking review. Let me look for a good one here. This one comes from Valerie Complex, top critic, Deadline Hollywood Daily. Despite coming in at less than two hours, the film feels like a three-hour ordeal. A cardinal sin in the fast-paced horror genre. Bitch, I don't know what movie you watched, but this movie did not feel like three hours. I thought they could have went longer, if I'm being honest. I felt like it was short. I felt like it was rushed. That is only my top, like, critique. I thought this movie was great, but, yeah, I thought it could have been way longer. They could have easily made this, like, a two-and-a-half-hour movie, and I felt like it would have been fine. Here's another one. Lexi, or not Lexi, Lex Briscuso, top critic. The film certainly proves that while repetition can burn out a concept, that notion simply doesn't apply to the way Juan and Winnell's beloved series ratchets up the tensions and preys upon our base human fear of being caught unaware. Yeah, Lex. I agree. 
I don't know what I'm agreeing with, but it's you said you liked the movie, so hell yeah, brother. All right, this one, this is the last one, and it's David Ehrlich, top critic. This jolt Happy July programmer might be as dull and rusty as a nail in the coffin could possibly get without breaking apart, but insidious newcomers should rest assured that they'll be able to follow along with their friends' exasperations. Suck a dick, David, with a name like that. I don't like you. I don't even like you. I don't trust you. You're wearing glasses. I see a photo of you right here. If you want to go look at it, it's at RottenTomatoes.com. Insidious the Red Door. You look suspicious. You look like one of those top movie people that are like, I really like the symbolism of this bird and this... Yeah, you look like one of those people, you dummy. Suck a dick and die. Just kidding. Don't actually... Well, don't actually... I don't wish death upon David. I don't. But this man disrespected a good movie. But anyways. Yes. I think you guys should go see it. I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed it. It was... Something that was long awaited, for me at least. I thought the Insidious movie, like, Insidious movies first got me into this, like, horror genre when I when it came out in 2010. So for me, I think it came out in 2010, around 2010. So for me, this is a whole, like, nostalgia trip for me. And I... I don't know, this is my first introduction to James Wan when I first watched Insidious. Like, I always loved it, and I always loved how they tied every movie into each other. Thought that was perfect, okay? And this movie really ties it in, you learn a bunch of new stuff. Is it terribly scary? No. No, it wasn't like, oh my god, this is the scariest movie ever. It wasn't like that, okay? But, it did have really good jump scares, and... I personally love the Insidious, like, timeline or universe just because of the story that goes along with it. It is a beautiful story, I think. And in this Insidious number five really ties it all into each other. It really does. And it gives nods to, you know, the second one, and it really tied up a lot of loose ends, and it... I really enjoyed it, and I think you guys should go out and watch it too. But that's going to do it for the horror movie breakdown, okay? I'm going to stop it right here. I hope you guys, you know, had a wonderful week. We're almost to the weekend, okay? Bear with me here, all right? Saturday, I got a new episode. I already told you guys about it like 15,000 fucking times, but I'm going to say it one more time for you. Randonautica Horror Stories. If you don't know what that is, I'll explain it all on Saturday. It's an app where you can go out and like explore random shit. It gives you coordinates. If you don't, if you haven't used it, use it. But you, you might not want to after after Saturday. But we'll talk about it. We'll think about it, okay? Um, and then I got another beautiful fucking story on Sunday about you know for all of you blue collared people or. If you work out in the field or you're, you know, with machinery and stuff like that, this, this might, this might, you know, 
shock your system a little bit. So I'm trying to say. So it's going to be a good one. And I'm pretty sure you guys are going to enjoy it. But yeah, that's pretty much it for this episode. Um, If you want to follow me on Instagram, go ahead at the Rainy Day Horror Show. Send me some personal, you know, some personal horror show. Not horror show. Some personal horror, you know, story or anything. Just send it to me, all right? Um, got a bunch of episodes coming out. If you haven't already heard the episode of me on the Great Deception Podcast, go check it out. Um, they are phenomenal over there. We talked about some weird stuff. Not going to lie, I didn't talk a whole lot just because they were on topics that I didn't know anything about. And I'm not going to give my two cents on a topic I know nothing about. So, I really didn't talk for a whole lot. But I did get my, I did, you know, I did put the McBalls, you know, theory in there, you know. So, but yeah, go ahead, follow me on Instagram, The Rainy Day Horror Show. Like my episodes, I mean, or leave a review, alright? Five stars, or I'm going to be in your room, watching you sleep, and then we'll see who's really scared. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, you. Listening to this. Yeah, I'm talking to you. I'm going to be in your room. Five-star review. No five-star? Shit. I'm going to be in your room. I'm going to be watching you. You won't even see me. I'm going to be perched up in the corner like Insidious Chapter 1. You won't even know. Until you get somebody in there that can see shit. And then they're going to see me. I'm going to make your life a living hell if you don't give me a five-star review. Remember that. Me, your mom, fucking her right now. Unless you give me that five-star. Okay? Alright, so, I'm done here, okay? Now remember, before I leave, remember, stay frosty, stay foxy, and most importantly, stay safe. I love y'all. See y'all motherfuckers later. Goodbye. Deuces. (laughs)